0: All right, we are in part two of our series, Identity Defined, and Barry kind of kicked it off last week, so if you missed last week, uh, you can catch up on our YouTube channel and uh, and catch up there. But basically, we've been in this series trying to talk about identity and uh, and what does it mean uh, and what did it look like before you knew Jesus and before you were in Christ, and what does it even mean to be in christ and, and 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 so Barry kind of went through the kind of the theology the theological work that happens before Christ and as you put your faith in christ and uh, and so um, what I want to do this morning is talk a little bit about. If we are in Christ, what does that mean and, and and what kind of an identity are we actually operating out of? Now, when I was growing up, um, I was all about, you know, anything that had to do with a a ball. If if I if, if I had a baseball, basketball, football, and as I got a little bit older, it was kind of a race between basketball and football. But, you know, since I was a little, little, little kid, in fact, mom was like, that's the first thing I would run to. And I could dribble when I was like three years old, man, I could dribble the ball. And I was all about, you know, something to do with a with ball. And so my entire identity was wrapped around being an athlete. My entire identity was... I want to play football for the University of Nebraska. That's all I ever wanted to do in life. If I would have, you know, I thought back then, if that's what I could have done, you know, my life would have been fulfilled. And, uh, and maybe that's why God said, no, actually, I want you to go into ministry stuff. And, uh, and so I searched, actually, I actually did search to see if the University of Nebraska had a youth ministry degree. <laughs> Turns out they don't. Have a youth ministry degree; they're not not in the uh, college of ministry. But anyway, um, so I ended up going to Colorado Christian University, and I remember, you know, being at college, and I'm just lost because, you know, I'm I was an athlete. Well, I, I I actually still am an athlete. I thought, but I'm not an athlete or at least nobody cares anymore um but in high school you know you're an athlete and, and there's there's side benefits in high school to being an athlete um you're you're just automatically popular if you're a good athlete in high school um not fair but true and uh and and when you go to college nobody cares nobody cares that you were an athlete they don't ascribe any value to you because you're an athlete um you know if you're not playing in any sport and so I was just lost i it's like i don't need I don't know who I am. And and the reason I was lost is because I was attaching my my identity to something that I did rather than who I was. And some of you might be making that same mistake. You've attached your identity to, to what you do. So, you know, maybe you're a rancher in the house and you're like, you know what? Uh, my identity—that's who I am. Or maybe you're a farmer, and, and 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 that's who you are. Maybe you're an electrician. Maybe you're a plumber. Maybe you work with your hands. Maybe you're a secretary. May, maybe you—you know—you're a teacher, and you work at school. And maybe you're an entrepreneur. You got your own business. Whatever it is that you do, sometimes we are guilty of attaching our identity to what it is that we do. And, and you think, okay, this is who I am. But that's a mistake. Because when we do that, then all of a sudden, we, we instantly kind of start comparing ourselves to other people that are, kind of do the same things that we do. And so, you know, if you're a farmer, all of a sudden, you kind of start looking at all the other farmers, and you kind of start stacking yourself up, you know, based on... because you know, if that's who I am, then then I kind of want to compare myself to the other farmers that I think are being very successful. And, And it really, you know, it just irks me if there's others that seem like they're doing better and they're more successful than I am. And the more successful that they are makes me feel like then then I actually don't have as much value as part of my identity. I don't have value because I'm not doing as good of a job as they are. Or if something, you know, you're an entrepreneur and you stepped out and you took a risk and, 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 and felt like, and, and that risk, you know, ended up not going very well, and, and that's, you attached your identity to that, and you're like, that's who I am, and so now I'm a failure. Well, man, that, that's not a great way to live, right? I mean, it automatically puts you in a, in a place where you compare yourself to other people that are doing the same thing that you are. And if you don't measure up, you don't know what to do with that. And it drives you to drinking. It drives you to porn. It drives you to prescription drugs. It, dr- it drives you to, to, to things because you lost, like I'm lost. And I remember in high in, in college, there was a time it's like I'm just lost. I don't know who I am. Because that was my identity, and now it's now nobody cares. And I don't know who I am. But in Christ, and this is this is the thing: when you understand who you are in Christ, and you allow that to, you allow. God to speak to you as to what who you actually are in him. Oh man. But here's the thing. So much of the time we don't think of ourselves the way our heavenly Father thinks of us. We don't view ourselves the way he views us. We don't take, you know, our cue about us from him. We take our cue about us from us and others but we don't take it from our Heavenly Father. And so consequently, we don't engage in the life he wants for us. So what are some things that we are when we are in Christ? I'm wanted. Some of you may have not felt much of that in your life, that you are actually... Wanted. In Christ, you are wanted. In fact, the scripture goes to to the the degree in which you are wanted, the degree to which your heavenly Father is pursuing you because you're so wanted. I'm valuable. I'm valuable apart from what I do. That's why it's so dangerous to to, grab a hold of what you do as, as who you are. I mean, someday, I'm not going to be a pastor anymore. Someday, you're probably not going to do what it is that you are doing. And if you have attached your identity to what it is that you're doing, and someday you stop doing that, then you're going to lose who you are. I've had people ask me, you're like, man, I bet that was really hard to go from ranching. Do you miss ranching and 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 selling that and and and, and moving on is kind of like I mean, did you lose a part of who you are? No. Because that was just something I did. That wasn't who I was. And, and and so stop stopping to do that, I just stopped doing something that I did, but I didn't it didn't stop who I was. I have a role. In the kingdom of God, I have a role, and you have a role to play in this world. As a part of the, of the kingdom work that God wants to do in this world, you have a role, and God has a plan for your life, and he has a role that he wants you to play in it, and since you have a role, you're needed you Maybe you've never felt like, I, I don't think God even needs, I, I'm not needed. You're needed, and you have a role to play. And that just, it just shoots value in the fact that you are wanted because you have a role and you're needed. I have a family. Oh, man. Some of you, maybe you've never really had a family or the family you had, you're kind of like... Uh, not the greatest family in the world, and you've looked at someone else and you're like, man, I would, I would have loved to have grown up in their family. I, man, if I could emulate someone's family, that, that's, I mean, I would just so would want to be a part of that family. Do you realize that when you put your faith in Christ, you automatically are placed in a family? You are adopted into a family, you're a part of the family if you've placed your faith in Christ. Hi, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are we are family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. I almost I almost had a Baptist moment right there, like, hey brother, oh, oh my gosh, that almost slapped me across the face. Anyway, okay, <clears throat> moving on. But we are we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't get weird about it. But hey, you know. It's great to be a part of a family, especially when it's healthy. That's a a great thing to be a part of. I have purpose. I have purpose. Like every single day I get up, I I have a role to play. I'm needed. I'm valued. I'm wanted. I know what it is God wants to do with me. And, And so I'm not just getting up and going, I don't have any idea why I get up and keep going to work and doing this over and over. And it really because by the time you get to my age, you're over it. I mean, it's it's not about the money anymore. Like when you're young, you're kind of like, they pay fifteen dollars an hour. I mean, you're like, whoa, you know. And now you're just like, I mean, we make more money we've ever made, and you know, nah. Yeah, I mean, if there's not purpose in what you're doing, it. Kind of like ah, uh. and and some of you you think your purpose is your job, it's not. God wants to use your job to fulfill your purpose. He has a purpose in you going to work, but it really doesn't have anything to do with your work necessarily. It's the fact that you're representing Him at your work. It's brilliant. God knew that we would not just meet here for an hour, but we would spread. The church would gather and then and then scatter and we would take Jesus with us in all of our workplaces and our homes. We have purpose. I'm loved. You are loved deeply by your heavenly Father. I am forgiven. That's who I am. And I'm forgiven past. I'm forgiven present. I'm forgiven future i have been imputed if you watched last week i have been imputed holiness if you have been imputed holiness and you are now looked at by god as holy that is your position in christ you can't be taken away it's like you you have you have been declared righteous and so you're you're thinking and some of you were taught and i, I don't know I can't imagine living this way. You're like, okay, if I mess up, then now I'm out of Christ and then I'm, if I accept Jesus again, then I'm back in Christ and then if I do something wrong, I'm back out of Christ and you're like, oh my God, I mean I hope I don't die in between. I mean, what in the world? That would that would be a scary way to live. You have been imputed righteousness that had nothing to do with you, but you are in Christ and 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 now God looks at you as forgiven, and he looks at you as holy and without fault in his eyes. And that can never be taken away from you. That's extraordinary. I've been sealed. You're like, what does that mean? Hang in there. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you know what that means. I'm free i am i am I am more free as a Jesus follower than I could ever be following anything or anyone else the apostle Paul he kind of describes all of these things, and uh, if you 're not familiar with Paul, um, he hated Christians, so if you 're not if you 're watching and maybe you 're in the house you 're not really a Jesus follower. No, I don't really like Christians so much. You would love Paul because he didn't like Christians either. And then, but then he became one. And, uh, and, and so he had a really unique perspective. And he write, wrote some letters to some churches that he planted all along the Mediterranean rim. One of those churches was at Ephesus, which you could actually travel to uh, you know, today and actually look at, uh, at, at, at the ruins at Ephesus. And uh, and he writes this church, and he wants them to know so badly what their identity in Christ is, and the spiritual blessings that have been given to them when they place their faith in Christ. And so, in Ephesians chapter one, um, verse three is just kind of this heading, and that that you know Paul kind of declares these spiritual blessings, and then he's going to kind of start listing them off, and so. If you have your Bibles, you can open them. If you have your Bible on your phone, you can look at it there as well. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, why do you want to give praise to God? Because he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Well, Paul, why? why? Why did he bless us with every spiritual blessing? Because we are united with Christ. Okay, one more question. How? Uh, how? What do you mean we're united with Christ? How are we united with Christ? What, what does that even mean? How do we get united with Christ? He explains it in Romans in chapter 1, verse 16. He says, For I am not ashamed of this good news. What's the good news of being united with Christ? Okay, I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight, how we're united with Christ. This good news tells us how, how we're united with Christ. Okay, so how is it, Paul? How, how, do we, you know, how are we made right with Christ? How do we get united with Christ? This is accomplished from start to finish by... What's this word? You mean it's it's not the membership class? I thought it was the membership class, because at the end of the membership class, now I'm a part of the church. And I thought if I just went through membership class, that's what united me to Christ, and now I'm going to heaven because I'm a member of a church. No. Because I went through catechism? No. Because I got baptized? No. From start to finish, faith. And faith isn't power yoga. And what I mean by power yoga is, is faith isn't, it's not something that you're, you, you, you squint and, and try really hard and create some energy and, and, and you force God to do something that he was, actually was never planning on doing. That's not faith. That's magic. Okay? Um, faith is, I believe that Jesus is who he said he was. And he'll do everything he promised to do. And I'm putting all of my confidence, all of my weight on him. That's faith. Simply believing that he is who he said he was. Back to Ephesians, all right? Verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. Whoa. Whoa. Okay, so Eric, what you're telling me is even before God made the world, that he knew that November 13th, 2022, every single one of you would be sitting in this auditorium this morning and every single one of you would be watching online right now. And he loved you. And he chose you before the foundation of the world was ever set. Now I don't know about you, but that's a deep kind of love right there. I mean, whoa. That that's amazing. Before he made the world, God loved us and chose us that you are chosen in Christ to be what? To be holy and without fault in his eyes, and there we go back. This is how, when you are in Christ, Jesus sees you. He sees you without fault, perfectly holy, and you're like, but I have a lot of faults, to which Jesus says, I know, that's why I came, to die on that cross where you should have been crucified. But I said, you know what? I am going to go in your place instead of you. I'm going to go there. And now, because the price of sin has been paid on your behalf, now I'm going to impute to you something that you cannot create on your own, which is righteousness and holiness. I'm the only one who has it, and I'm giving it and declaring that you are what I am. Okay, I think he loves us. And I think we're chosen. That's extraordinary. See, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. See, whoo. All right, most keep it together. Um, This is special to our family. We, we know what it's like. And Zayla will know what it's like to be adopted into this little family. Every single one of us, when you place your faith in Christ, is adopted into this ginormous family. By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, This is what he wanted to do. Do you know how you can know that you're wanted? Because Jesus wanted to do this. If he didn't want you, he wouldn't have wanted to do it. He wanted to because you're wanted. You're valuable. He loves you. He's chosen you. He wanted to. And it gave him great pleasure to provide a way that you could have a brand new identity. This is who you are in Christ. He is so rich in kindness. This is verse seven and eight. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. He purchased our freedom. I mean, he reconciled us. That that. Word reconciled is to purchase it. He purchased our freedom, but what did it cost? What did our freedom cost? He purchased it with the blood of his son that was shed on the cross and forgave our sins. So now I'm in Christ, I'm free, and I'm forgiven. I'm not carrying the weight of my sin with me. That's extraordinary. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. He goes on in verse 11, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. Why do you receive an inheritance? Because now you're one of the kids. Now you're a part of the family. And as a part of the family, you get full benefit and full rights as children, in the family. So you get a part of the inheritance. And this isn't like, man, you know, you get a little bit of inheritance, and you're thinking, this is an inheritance from God. Whoa, sign me up for that. Receive an inheritance from God, for he chose us. There it is again. He chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Verse 13, and now you Gentiles, so that's probably most of us in the room, unless you're Jewish or those of you online, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news, being united to Christ, that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, there it is, believe, faith, same thing, same word, in Christ he identified you as his own he identified you as his own now as a rancher we identified all of our calves and we identified them with a brand and and, and in essence this is what God does when you place your faith in Jesus Christ He places his brand on you. Now, it's not a hot brand. Don't worry. Not going to hurt too bad. All right? He places his brand on you. And that brand is something that seals you and identifies you as one of his own. To which, when you're acting wayward, he still is like, no, he belongs to me. I know. I died on the cross for that. And trust me, it hurt. But he belongs to me. I'll claim him. No one else might. Mine. By giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. See, the Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. So I come back. You are wanted. You are valuable. You have a role to play. And... And here's the thing, and go with me on this analogy, and you know, forgive me, because i I love football and and so I kind of like analogies around sports stuff. So if you're not into sports, just play along for just second. see when you place your faith in Christ and you're a part of the family, I, if you've ever been on a team, lots of times they they call themselves family because that's how close they want to be. And the closer they are as a, as a team, um, the closer they are like a family. And teams that are really close actually play better. Um, they do better. And, and so they're kind of, kind of a family. When you place your faith in Christ, you're placed in a family, but you're on the team. And, and uh, forgive me, if, if, if Jesus is our leader, so if Jesus is the head coach... And he's called the play. You know what the play is, right? He's called the play. Like, we're not just off, you know, calling audibles. Um, He's called the play to see people meet, follow, and love Jesus. You're like, oh, yeah, I knew that. That's what it was. That was the first thing right off my my tongue, Eric. Um, He's called the play. He's put us on the team. We have a role to play on that team. You're needed on that team. You have a family. You're part of the team. I have a purpose. You have a purpose on the team. You're loved because you're part of the family and you're part of the team. You've been forgiven because you've messed up. So have I. But it's a part of the team and it's part of the family. You're forgiven. I'm made perfect been sealed. So here's what's interesting is if you've ever been a part of a team and maybe you know you weren't a starter, there's part of you that was kind of like, oh, I, I, I don't want to sit on the sideline and I don't want to just ride the bench. I like want to be on the field. I want to participate on the field. And here's what's amazing. When you place your faith in Jesus and you are placed on the team, you are placed on the field. It's not like there's 10 starters and God just, you know, he just starts the good ones. You know, that's not this at all. When you are placed on the team, you are placed on the field and God doesn't want anybody on the bench or the sidelines. He wants us all to be on the field fulfilling our role. So, my question to you is Who puts you on the sidelines or on the bench? It's not your Heavenly Father. It's you. It's me. We put ourselves on the sidelines, we, we bench ourselves. And our Heavenly Father is like, Why aren't you on the field? See, Sideline and bench thinking, here's some examples of it. I'm such a horrible sinner, God doesn't want to use me. I don't don't know enough Bible. God doesn't, I don't, no, 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 God doesn't. I'm pretty sure God wants me on the sideline. I'm a bench warmer. You're the only one that puts you on the sidelines or on the bench. God wants you to be out on the field. And it leads us to apathy, which is exactly where your enemy wants you to be. Because do you know how much of a threat you are when you're on the sideline? Not much. Here's another one. I'm not sure if I lived for Christ, his way would lead to real life. See, I I just want fire insurance, Eric. I want to go to heaven when I die. Um, but I don't. I don't really. I don't really think if I embraced, if I got on the on the on the field and I embraced this role that God's given me, that it would actually lead to a satisfying life. So I'm going to have a foot over in the world, and I'm going to have a foot over with Jesus, and I'm going to try and play it both ways. Here's another word. I'm not ready to give up. What? I, I'm not ready to give up because deep down I think it leads to real life. Some of you, maybe it's become an addiction to you, but it's a pathway and, it, and, and you keep holding on to it and it's holding you back. And you're on the you're on the team and you're on the field, but you're not really you're not really playing and and and, and it holds you back and and you're not leading to your full potential and you ever know an athlete that had unbelievable potential but that there was just something that kept holding it back and they just never reached their potential It's a little bit heartbreaking, isn't it and sometimes we gotta let go of some things that we keep holding on to that are actually hurting us and hurting those around us and are going to continue to hurt us into the future. And God just is like, I always want you to let that go. And it leads us to more apathy. Here's some sideline and bench thinking. My past disqualifies me. No, <laughs> I'm pretty sure God... God doesn't want me out on the team. I, I I know. Apathy. For some, you you just shame, you shame yourself. Like you you mess up, you mess up a play and and you're thinking, "Oh, no, the rest of the family's not going to like me now." And the head coach definitely does not like me right now. And so I should put myself on the bench, on the sideline, in timeout, and I should, I should just be really, really harsh on myself. And if I'm really harsh on myself, to the degree that I messed up, maybe if I'm this harsh and maybe a little bit more, maybe if I did that and if I self-punish myself, That will make myself right with God again. I'll hurt myself to a point where God says, okay, you hurt yourself long enough, now you can get back on the field. That's not coming from your heavenly Father. That's not who you are. But that's what we do. Some of you, it's legalism. Some of you grew up in a church that did this. Some of you grew up in a home that did this. Some of you grew up in a church with this, legalism. Some of you grew up in a home with legalism. Legalism leverages shame, but it shames other people. And because if I can shame someone else and push them down, well, it just kind of elevates me. And as I get elevated, kind of like, well, maybe someday you'll be like me. And, and as I elevate myself, I think it makes me right with God, which it doesn't. In fact, if there was anything that Jesus despised, it was these two things. Because they have self-righteousness written all over them. See, it's only in the game where we get the deep satisfaction of a life well-spent, it's when it's in sync with our heavenly Father. So don't bench yourself. Crossing. Those of you watching online, don't bench yourself. That's not who you are. And who you are is separate from what you do. So let me ask you this. What if you actually believe that? What would that do to your emotional health if you actually believed that? You think this week would look different if you believe this is who I am. Every single morning, you get up and you remind yourself, this is who I am in Christ. Now, Jesus, I'm on the field. Let's go play. That's why we're doing this series. That's good stuff right there. Right? Pray with me, would you? Heavenly Father, man, this would change everything if we would believe what is actually true, what you've actually said of us, who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ. If we would allow you to define us, oh, man. Change everything. So God, I pray for some, this this is whew. Maybe they've never even been united with Christ. And that, that's where it needs to begin. So Father, I